My dear late mother, may she rest in peace, was a record setter. Now, to my knowledge, she wasn't particularly athletic. She didn't have a superior intellect, and she wasn't extraordinarily gifted in the arts. Still, the record she set means the world to me. I'll tell you what it was coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, where this and every day we focus in on your relationship with Jesus and seek to provide a bit of hope, strength, and encouragement with the aid of our spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley. Hey, and speaking of encouragement, if you're a regular listener to The Inner Life, or even if you're not, I want to encourage you to tune in to Relevant Radio this Monday, October 9th, at this time, 11 a.m. Central, to hear the inaugural Solemnity Mass of Our Lady of Champion live from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion. Bishop Ricken of the Diocese of Green Bay will be the celebrant, and Drew Mariani will serve as our commentator. And also the Family Rosary Across America will be broadcast live from the Shrine Grounds at 7 p.m. Again, all of this is this coming Monday, October the 9th. So back to my record-setting mom. She and my dad married a bit later in life. Mom was 35 years old. And soon after they married, they discovered they were having some difficulty conceiving So they sought some medical help and met with time after time of disappointment. Finally, a decade later, they had success and I was born. My mother was 45 years old. She, and well, I, I guess, set some records in our local hospital for being the latest first birth the hospital had ever seen. And needless to say, I'm an only child. Now, being an only has many advantages, but some disadvantages too. One disadvantages, disadvantage, at least from my perspective, is that I didn't have a community of siblings to share life with in my growing up years. I had to learn how to be alone. And for a rather gregarious extrovert, that presented some challenges. Sure, I had neighborhood friends with whom I spend a lot of time, but there were times when they couldn't come out to play. And of course, back then, the distractions of screens and the internet and even video games were pretty severely limited. As a result, I admit, I was lonely some of the time. Looking back on it now, though, I'm grateful for some early-in-life exposure to the experience of being alone and even loneliness. I think it helped me get comfortable with just being by myself. And heck, I think it even encouraged me to talk to God when other conversation partners were lacking. Now, though I still relish about being around people and generally enjoy the company of others now, I don't mind being alone. I even seek it out sometimes. And loneliness is something that I just don't encounter very often anymore. Today, we're looking at this distinction. We're looking at this distinction of loneliness versus being alone. Let's say hello to our spiritual director who will guide us in our discussion. Joining us today is Father John Lococo. Father Lococo is the Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and he's studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. Thanks for being with us again, Father. Welcome back. It's my pleasure. Good to talk to you. Well, let's talk about loneliness, and uh, certainly we'll talk about being alone, too, and maybe the distinction between the two. But loneliness is a very real thing in our society these days. Why don't you uh, give us some thoughts on loneliness, Father? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, and in fact, as you shared your anecdote at the beginning, I had the opposite. I'm one of seven siblings. So finding okay. a place in the home that was, you know, solitary was the goal a lot of the time. Yeah. But I think, I think in just, you know, being ordained for five and a half years now, it remains one of the critical pastoral issues that I sort of run into that kind of unifies all different types of people. Um, I don't know if it's, I think it's been increased through our time of the pandemic, time of technology, um, just a general temperament that really needs to be addressed. And you see, curiously, you see a lot of countries, especially in Europe, they've begun to sort of assign these like ministers of loneliness, people really devoted to this question because it has such an important issue in so many people's lives. And I think feeling uncomfortable being alone and being able to see that as a gift while also knowing how to combat times of real and authentic loneliness is important. And I think sometimes we conflate the two so that yeah. when it's actually good to be alone, um, when we can actually use that as a time to grow in our relationship with the Lord or sort of put the things in order that need to be drawn back into place, uh, we, we sort of fear that loneliness. And so there's this hyper busyness that we sort of can find ourselves tempted towards. Mm -hmm. And then the opposite is just sort of like feeling that loneliness in the midst of all of it. And so kind of learning to identify like when the Lord's inviting us to a place of communion and also when he's inviting us to, as he so often did, step away from the world and pray just a little bit or commune with him. To find those two times and that distinction is something that I think like a language we need to learn and develop even more today. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And we will dive into that as well. But sticking with loneliness just for a moment, and this just serves to... Uh, yeah, it serves to verify the things you were just saying. Back in May, um, the Surgeon General actually released an advisory. This is from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services on what was called the epidemic of loneliness. And just to read a couple lines from this, it says, even before the onset of the pandemic, you mentioned the pandemic, Father, the COVID-19 pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable le levels of loneliness. And it goes on to say, disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk for individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives, and lacking connection can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. That's, mm. uh, that's just from the Surgeon General's office. And, and so um, it really is present out there. And let us I, I think it goes without being said, but... Um, I think it should be pointed out at least that that it is possible to feel alone or feel excuse me feel lonely in the midst of a sea of people as well yeah yeah absolutely uh, you know and I and I think in, in those circumstances it almost hurts more it's more poignant it's more sharply felt yeah um but it's it's certainly what the devil wants I mean there's this reality of the brokenness of our world is one that fractures right and splinters really begins to then like stratify us according to our own condition. And so it's something that I think in so many ways, when that anxiety and that loneliness and isolation begin to creep in, all of a sudden, it's like our defenses have been absolutely taken over. And everything that we've sort of built up in our spiritual life can so quickly fall away. And so just this, this notion of like even secular sources beginning to note that the health right. impact, psychosomatic impact that it can have on us, I think just speaks to something that's so fundamental, which is just our identity. We're made in the image of God. And because we're made in his image and likeness, we're called to give and receive love as he does. And so right. sort of existing in that space of, of recognizing like, I mean, we hear in Genesis, right? It's not good for man to be alone. And so 
the Lord, the Lord gives him a helpmate. And we see this sort of beautiful image um, drawn out from the very beginning. Um, finding that fellowship uh, in this age today is just of fundamental importance. Yeah. And what you were saying, just to pick up on that, about giving and receiving love, that we are created to do just that. That seems to explain a little bit about that loneliness in the midst of a sea of people, because you can be surrounded by other people, but if there's not connections being made, right? I mean, there needs to be uh, that kind of personal and interpersonal connection with mm -hmm. the people around you rather than just a physical presence. Not saying that physical mm -hmm. presence is nothing, but um, there needs to be communication and communion that's built between ourselves and others, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had the opportunity once to go on a trip with a friend to a foreign country and he got sick at the last minute and you know you have the ticket still and i was like well <laughs> yep i'm gonna make the trip we're gonna go i was staying at a, at a religious house and and i was it was in berlin and in germany and i remember after one day i was like well this is great you know nobody's i can spend as much time in the museum i can sit at this cafe i can read this book and it was sort of delighting in that but yep. then by day two not knowing any of the language it was just even more difficult being um, surrounded by so many people because there are all these opportunities for communion. And it was like you came up against this invisible wall because I yeah. didn't have the language and I didn't have an understanding of the city. And so it was a real feeling for me of just like, there are people who, who really carry that cross daily. And the problem is it, it, it's sort of a vicious cycle. That is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more mm -hmm. isolated I become, the more atrophied my social communication skills become, the more those atrophy, the less... I'm likely to sort of build those relationships up. So it's really hard there. And that's the invitation for the divine physician to really help us through grace, right? To give us the strength that we need to identify those needs that we have for communion, but also to like compel us to go forth. Yeah. Right? And our Lord is always the one who's trying to provide the salve for that. That's why I love the Martha and Mary scene from scripture, because mm. what does he correct in her is the anxiety in her heart. Like her, her lack of communion is not so much that, it's absent because she's working. It's that it's been distorted by what St. Ignatius says, the first spirit that the devil seeks to sow in our hearts is a spirit of anxiety. And I think in similar fashion, it's like feeling that desire for communion, but just tweaking it a little bit, distorting it a little bit. It so quickly can sort of splinter and then lead us to a place where our daily existence is one of total isolation. And that's, oh, that's, that's truly yeah, difficult. Yeah, it, it truly is. We're speaking with our spiritual director today, Father John Lococo of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, about loneliness versus being alone. We've been focusing in on loneliness here in the opening part of the show. When was a time that you were seriously lonely? Maybe it's right now. What did you do or what are you doing to confront that loneliness and to make those connections that we're talking about. We'd love to hear from you with your comments and your questions at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, as I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking specifically of loneliness and in amongst the young, and you know, I'm not out to just get down on social media, but I think it needs to be brought up and said yet again that uh, social media, while it can, you know, uh, provide all these sorts of connection, it, again, it falls pretty short in providing that communion as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, and I think increasingly that's being adopted as, as a consensus opinion. I, mm. I, I feel like, you know, in 2006, age myself here, that's when I started high school. So the first smartphone came out that year, and it wasn't really 
functional in the sense that we have today of the modern smartphone with apps and social media until a couple of years later. And so sure. my high school experience was, you know, I had the Motorola Razor or something, you know, you had the flip phone with the T9 texting. And so <laughs> I kind of right. lived the absent that and then transitioned into college in that space. And I remember at the time, because this was obviously kind of being discussed, what is the, you know, what's, what's the goodness of and value of these apps and texting and social media and the ways in which we're learning to communicate. And I think the consensus at the time was a neutral position. It's a tool and a tool can be used for good or for, for ill. And I think mm -hmm. increasingly we're, we're raising our wariness of these things. And so I think I'm impressed most by a lot of the young people that I work with specifically as a vocation director, but also just at the university campuses that I visit, many of them might have the social media, but they'll only have it on their desktop and not on their phone. Right. Mm -hmm. or, or they'll only use it during these hours or they'll limit their usage with an app for a certain amount of time per day. And I think that's a much healthier and more prudential use of these apps because the alternative is hours and hours and hours of sort of being inundated by what the algorithm decides we need, what's going to yeah. feed our lives. And those things just continually pull us away from what's real. And so I think we're figuring it out. I think with horror, we'll look back on the late 2000s and early 2010s um, and sort of how unbridled the whole landscape was. But I think today I'm most edified by a lot of Gen Z and then now Gen Alpha, right, who have this such an awareness and familiarity with it and see it as something that can be potentially toxic. All right. So there in and of itself is a good recommendation, too. I think that there's a there's don't fool ourselves into thinking that if we just continue to kind of delve deeper and deeper into social media, that's get, don't don't be aware that it, or be aware that it's not necessarily providing for us uh, this this needed societal interaction, this connection, this uh, this communion that we are made for. Again, we're talking with our spiritual director, Father John Lacoco, about loneliness and being alone. If there was a time when you were really lonely. And maybe that's right now. Um, if you have questions about it, if you'd like to share your experiences and maybe what you did and maybe how you got out of that, if you've broken out of it, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Well, Father, I want to um, emphasize too, because there are, on in our faith, of course, we see, turning to being alone specifically, um, we see, as you already mentioned, our Lord, let's start with him. Um, our Lord sought out times of of uh, isolation, of of being alone, in order to commune with his heavenly Father, for one, um, and uh, and probably, I mean, on the human level, probably just to get a breath as well. So, being alone is actually not necessarily the um, it's not the the thing that presses us into loneliness. There's different ways of approaching being alone, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's John Vianney who reminds us. It's in solitude that God speaks to us. And Christ uses that image time and again of sort of drawing away. And he demonstrates it with his closest disciples of sort of pulling them away from the world and away from the crowd because it's kind of there in the midst of everything else. Uh, it's almost as if like you're talking to somebody and they're on their phone while they're talking to you or they're trying to have two conversations at the same time. You you don't have their full attention and, and you feel the sort of separation between you two. Um, it's the same way in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Like mm. we, we need to do those things that will sort of self-isolate. And I think one of the ways that most naturally resonates with people is their experience of God in nature. I'll, I'll speak with, yeah. with people in the parish and out of the parish at university, say, especially ones who say, oh, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I, I experience God out in the world, out in nature. You know, I was up in the middle of Wisconsin. Yeah. It'd be like, Father, when I go hunting, I experience God. I said, that's great. So do I. I mean, I'm glad you see a sunset. 
and you see God there. I'm glad you, you know, are on a on a mountain vista and you experience the divine. There's something about the isolation of man out in the midst of the goodness of what God has created that draws us into deeper communion with him. Now, there's a whole other conversation about why they need to worship and go to mass. But I think it speaks to the importance that solitude has to have in our life. Like we always have to have that disposition, or else we can never experience the Lord's speaking to us. And so what I mean by that is so often, you know, and I can find myself doing this as well, sometimes struggling in my own sort of silent prayer and contemplation, we can fill that time with good things like devotionals and chaplets and reading, but to just sort of sit and to abide and to rest in his presence is so important. And the Lord does this for everyone. Before he feeds the crowd, he says, be seated. He has them sit and sort of rest in his presence before he gives them what they desire. Right? And so often we come to the Lord, we've got our prayers, we've got the things that we need answers to, we're trying to commune with him, we're so ready to receive. It's like the crowd, just like, Lord, feed us, we're starving, we've been following you for days. And he says, yeah. oh, first sit. And so I think that disposition is just so critical in our spiritual lives. I think that's a great point, Father, I, that uh, that there is, that we see that pervasively amongst the scriptures and the way that Jesus interacts with people, that there's these solid connections, but there is that necessity to of solitude and just sitting. Because I, I myself will admit that uh, oftentimes in adoration, I am at least tempted towards a devotional prayer or spiritual reading or something like that, which I, I hear that you're not condemning that, but at the same time, just spending some time in the presence of the Lord alone is uh, is a fantastic thing to do. That's what we're talking about today here on the show, Loneliness versus Being Alone with our spiritual director, Father John Lacoco. If you have questions about loneliness, if you have questions about how to be alone with the Lord, how to sit in his presence and receive from him and hear from him, give us a call. Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888 888- 914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. we got more to come on the show about loneliness and being alone. We'll be back right after this. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in Then I'll watch them roll away now, I have to say that in listening to Otis Redding and talking about sitting on the dock of the bay, that might uh, be a beautiful picture for some. It seems like he was enjoying himself as he's doing that, but uh, it might be a little intimidating to others. We're talking about loneliness versus being alone with our spiritual director, Father John Lacoco. By the way, one way to connect both with other people and our Lord himself, is to realize that Relevant Radio will be live and in person with thousands, tens of thousands of other Catholics at the upcoming National Eucharistic Congress, and we're inviting you. Please come. Please come and join us and show up for Jesus at this once-in-a-lifetime celebration. That's going to be July 17th through 21st, 2024, in Indianapolis. Check out our travel packages for the Congress at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Again, that's relevantradio.com slash encounter. Well, Father, I think I would um, 
kind of come back around to loneliness again. How would you suggest that we even make headway into stopping being lonely? I mean, what are some of the ways that we can confront loneliness? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think it's something as a vocation director, if I could name, like, what's one of the real obstacles and fears that the men that I'm walking with experiences, this sense that if they embrace a celibate life, they're going to be lonely. But often my own experience, I would find married couples sometimes that seem more lonely than I felt in my own life. And so there's just two, like, falsehoods we have to acknowledge. Get married, you'll never be lonely again. Be celibate, you'll always be lonely. It's like, we're going to live in this space in between. Like loneliness is just frankly, it's part of the human condition, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I think just acknowledging that and, and seeing the benefit of, uh, you know, like solitude in our life, like being alone and being comfortable with that versus the reality of loneliness. I, I think what, what sort of makes the distinction, which at times can be so fine, is our own disposition. If we begin to see our times of solitude, the times in which we can sort of be rejuvenated, in which we can collect our thoughts, in which we can invite the Lord to transform ourselves. In those times, then we're never really alone. You know, mm -hmm. we're able to then always commune with the Lord whose presence is there both in us and around us. It's always sustaining us. And so part of it is is about praying for an increase in just an awareness of God's presence in our life and seeing then those opportunities to commune with him through others who bear the image of God in their own lives, and then to commune with him in the silence and the solitude. Both of these dispositions are really sort of critical. We can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Actually, I think we've got somebody coming in, calling in with a question just about that. Let's go sure. to Michael calling in from San Diego, California. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Um, quick question. When I'm uh, sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament alone, I, I try and um, just push out the thoughts from my head and listen for the voice of God. Um, mm -hmm. how do I know that it's God's voice that I'm hearing versus my own or, or maybe even the devil for that matter? Yeah, sure. No, that's a good question. And I, and I think it's one of the, like, you know, kind of elements of, of adoration that we need to always begin to, to work with. And I think it could become such an obstacle. One of the things that I was instructed to do early on, um, was whenever a thought sort of would enter into my mind especially like worldly thoughts. Like sometimes we go into we go into time of prayer and adoration. And we think, look at all the things I have to do the rest of the day, or I have this difficult meeting, or I have to make this errand, right? And we just keep, you know, we're basically just daydreaming, right? Uh, just keep a journal next to you, write it down and set it to the side. Eventually that practice of saying, you know what, this is a time reserved for the Lord. I'm going to set those thoughts of the world aside and let the Lord speak to me. That first element is really important. It's just a foundation of being able to center yourself in that moment and really give the Lord his due attention. The second part of your question is, how do I know this is not my voice? Or just like, you know what would be really nice today? If I did this thing. Yeah, that must be from God because I'm sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, and certainly that's something the devil could take advantage of. I think first and foremost, we just have to have a discerning ear and in our heart, both to be patient Right. And so to like ask things quickly. So if you're bringing a prayer with the Lord, you're trying to make a real discernment and you instantly go, yeah, that's what I want to do. And you say, this is from the Lord. Well, just to be patient with that, really, as a one who sort of helps men and women who are discerning the Lord's vocation and call in their life. It's not enough if he comes to me and says, I'm ready. I'm ready to enter seminary. And two weeks ago, he was ready to marry the woman that he fell in love with in class. You know, it's like 
let's just be patient in the midst of all of this. So the two things that I'd invite you to do is maybe just just write down some of those things, set it to the side, give the Lord your due attention, and then just be patient because the Lord will make his voice known if we're just patient in our disposition. Hmm. Michael, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it very much. And maybe some people are um, haven't experienced kind of this uh, being alone, maybe specifically, specifically in the Adoration Chapel as well. Well, our very own Maggie is calling in um, with her experiences about what it is on what it's like to be a first-time uh, prayer in adoration. Maggie, welcome. Thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Patrick. Good to, good to be on. Um, I was hearing your conversation as I was driving into the studio, and it made me reflect back to when I was a, a recent revert to the faith and realizing that, um, wow, if we really believe that this is the Lord and, and the Blessed Sacrament, and if I'm going to go spend time with Him in adoration, what does that mean? And um, I reflected a lot on the word adoration itself, and the first kind of image that came to mind was what happens when there's a baby in front of me. I don't necessarily have to say anything or do anything. I just want to watch that baby and look lovingly at it. And I could watch it for hours, you know, and it it could just be sleeping or yawning. and, And that's all I want to do. And so I thought, okay, if I can look lovingly at a baby and an infant, I can go sit in front of the Lord and, and physically like sometimes like get myself to smile, to look lovingly at the monstrance. And, um, I'm sure whatever the Lord wants to convey to me after that, he, he will. Um, but I guess I can just go with trust that if I, if I know what adoration is, I'll just go do it in front of the Mm -hmm. Lord and, and he'll help me (laughs) the rest of the way. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great image to share, because if we think about, like, even just stepping into a church, just as incarnational beings, right? We sign ourselves with holy water, we genuflect inside of the tabernacle, we kneel, we stand, we sit. There's a lot that's inviting our body to share in, maybe what we don't understand, but every time we kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament, we're making an act of faith. Even if it's absent some sort of emotional sort of understanding or recognition, there's still something to be built up in us to be built up in us by like what you said, just trying to I'm gonna smile at the divine presence, you know? I'm going mm-hmm. to sort of like make myself available to this moment. And I think I think there's something that's so important about that that we're always so so tempted to just wait until we feel right to then act how we want to. But I think for me, the image I always go to of like real and perfect love that we can just sort of experience in our world is go to like a greasy spoon, go to one of these small diners. My yeah. favorite thing to see is the like very aged couple married, you know, 65, 70 years and they're just sitting and he's like eating his cantaloupe and she's reading a newspaper <laughs> and they're not talking, but you know, they're deeply in love. That's just yeah. like in the silence of encounter, you see their love. It's the teenagers who are infatuated, who are chattering away and chattering away and chattering away. The Lord wants to build us towards that place of like deep communion. And I think smiling at the blessed sacraments, great advice. Cause I think that's where we can all begin and be better at. That's very good. Maggie, thanks so much for calling in. Great to uh, hear from you on this topic. We're talking about loneliness versus being alone with our spiritual director, Father John Lococo. And how do, how do we connect with others, yes, and with the Lord, first and foremost, in our, in our, being, our times of being alone? 
How do we make that connection? And then how do we live that out so as not to fall prey to some of these negative effects that we talked about earlier in the show of being lonely? Let's go now to Ben calling in from Temecula, California. Ben, good morning. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Um, yeah, as far as loneliness goes, uh, I've had a deep experience where for a long time in my life, I uh, was lonely. I had suffered some abuse when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I pushed my faith away and uh, very much fell away from my faith, fell away from my fam- familial relationships, uh, fell away from my friends. And I was able to uh, get back from that through, I mean, it, was, it wasn't easy, but uh, through the combined efforts of uh, therapy and a lot of prayer, I was able to um, really find that deep personal relationship with with god and feel him at my worst moments i mean it it got me through uh deep depression suicidal uh thoughts i mean i was i was bad and i was able to to get back very much by reaffirming my faith and and reading a lot more about uh like through the catechism and through the through the bible understanding more my faith and how being alone is good, but the loneliness I was feeling, uh, how to avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. Was there something that, you know, what was, is there a moment you can turn to when you began to like kind of crawl out of that hole when you realized I need therapy or I, I need to, you know, begin to pray more? Was there a moment you can think of? It was my, uh, yeah, my mom, uh, she saw my change. Uh, she saw me going from, you know, faithful, you know, bringing my rosary with me everywhere, uh, praying a lot. And she saw me to get a lot more distant, bitter at times. And she uh, broke down one day uh, and just like, what is, what's wrong? Um, and, and she kind of chipped away at me over time to where I was able to relent. And then she, she helped me to get back to, a place in faith for sure. She reintroduced me to the rosary, uh, reintroduced me to deep personal prayer. But the the nice thing was she gave me um, space to do that. So I, I didn't have to, you know, be around people if I, if I didn't feel like I could in those moments and I could have that, you know, personal alone time, but still, you know, get deeper in my faith. Amen. Yeah. God bless her for that. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a great testimony, Ben. Thank you so much, and I'm glad that you uh, were. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to come out of it, and that you were able to respond to your mother's promptings in that way, and draw deeper into your faith, and and uh, really see, as you said, the value of being alone uh, versus uh, kind of pushing the loneliness to the side. So, thank you, Ben. Thanks for the call, Father. As I'm as we're continuing to talk about this. I'm thinking, too, there may be those out there who fear being alone, and maybe that's because they'll have to confront some of the aspects of, you know, the realities of their own lives, and maybe they have an aversion to that. Maybe they don't want to do that. Um, any any thoughts or advice uh, for those who might be in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something about, yeah, the kind of the prospect of having to sort of like, yeah, deal with the reality of our lives. And I, and I think it means acknowledging humility, how we lack in perfection. And I think as we sort of to circle back a little bit to one of the ills of this age, right, is just like this 
this bifurcation we feel in our, in our lives because of social media. There's this experience of who I am behind the closed door, and I can't let people see that. I can't be vulnerable. I can't be open. I can't share my wounds. Um, and then there's the perfect person I sort of had to manifest. And so when we're caught in this cycle of constantly sort of being uncomfortable, being ourselves in the world, um, it's going to make us really fear those then those moments of solitude. What I find fascinating is some of the best examples of people who can sort of be alone with themselves are children. <laughs> I remember huh. being on vacation and seeing my nephew, who at the time was maybe five years old, and we were preparing dinner and we're there's, you know, I have seven siblings and 17 nieces and nephews. So it's like crazy yeah. in the house. And he's sitting yeah. at the end of the pier and he sat there for an hour. And so his father went out, my brother, and asked him, like, what are you thinking about? He was nothing. And he's like, are you okay? What's the matter? He's like, dad, isn't it just okay to think about nothing? It's <laughs> just sort of like, if you, if you had an adult say that to you, you'd be like, what's, what's wrong with you? But there's right. something that's very natural. He's just sort of like comfortable being with himself and being alone. And so it, it, it sort of sounds like obvious advice, but we just have to take that first step. We, yeah. we can't constantly be inundated by noise. And so obviously listen to relevant radio, but other than that, you know, shut off the radio in your car, shut off the podcast, you know, take some time to be alone. Leave your phone at home when you go grocery shopping. It's remarkably freeing. Take those moments where you can just say, I'm going to sit with a book with my phone in another room at the end of the night and just sort of be comfortable with myself in this way. So it starts in just small steps, but it is something that wins our hearts very quickly. We realize how important it is. Hmm. It strikes me, too, that there's probably an element of trust in that as well, because, you know, you know, just so late on the phone, it is because, you know, what if what if an emergency happens? These are the mm -hmm. things we tell ourselves, right? What if, what if there's an emergency? What if a loved one or a family member uh, gets sick or is near death? And, you know, I need to hear all these things that are going on. But but we need to trust that when we take a step out in faith that uh, we're going to be alone. I'm going to be alone with you, Lord. That's what I'm going to do, that mm -hmm. he's going to take care of everything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even teaching high schoolers a few years ago, I would sort of explain to them, like, you know, I, I'd drive by the park and see if anyone was playing basketball. I was like, not everyone had phones at the time. And it just sort of was kind of mind boggling to them. They're like, what if nobody was there? I was like, well, then I would drive home, you know, like it was no big deal, you know, to go out into the world and not not be able to be sort of reached at any moment is very freeing in some way. Yeah. Um, and I think it just sort of speaks to something maybe we could return to a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back and take a phone call again. Ray is calling in from Lakewood, California. Ray, good morning. Thanks for calling in the inner life. Good morning. I'm glad I'm glad you're talking on this subject because I, as a young man, after I was in the military, experienced it. Mm. You know, waiting for that special someone to come into my life, and I made sure that after I did meet that special someone, my wife, and we did have a family, I made sure that she and I talked about about it, so she would know that I experienced it. But more importantly, when my children grew up and were teenagers and stuff and started to uh, were at a point where they could we could talk about it. I made sure we talked about loneliness and how mm -hmm. it would affect them. And what I did as a young man when I got to, uh, was going through it, it really helped me to go back to my foundation. I was raised in the church. I'm a Catholic. So it helped me to go back to my faith and to pray and to ask the Lord to help me through this difficult time. I would do it almost on the daily basis. I would play, pray to the Holy Mother, my garden angel, to get me through difficult times. But I made sure I shared that with my, my children so as they would not fall into traps that, and end up in something that, that would denigrate them, you know. So I'm so happy you're talking about this. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I think it's one of those things that can so often be taken for granted, especially because we're so connected. We're like, oh, he's got a phone. You could talk to anyone at any time. But these are some of the loneliness generations we've ever experienced. So it's it's such a such a, a, a problem that I'm glad we're even beginning to see secular officials begin to address. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Ray, thanks for your testimony. Thanks for your encouragement as well. We're talking about being alone versus loneliness here on The Inner Life Today with our spiritual director, Father John Lacoco. If you have an experience of loneliness that you would like to share, maybe there was something that you did that helped you get out of that loneliness, or maybe you're looking to yeah, find new ways of being alone, new tips on how to be alone with the Lord and develop your own spiritual life on your own kind of one-to-one with Jesus, at least for that little moment of time, knowing that we still need, of course, his church and our connection to one another. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address, again, is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Stay Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad you could be with us here as we're talking about loneliness versus being alone. My name is Patrick Conley, knowing that I'm not alone. Thank you for joining me here, along with Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser on our phones today. Thank you so much to our spiritual director as well, Father John Lacoco, the director of vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. And uh, you know what? We're into the 26th week of Ordinary Time here, so we're getting pretty deep in Ordinary Time. And these last few weeks of Ordinary Time go fast. Advent will be here before you know it. And my question to you is, do you have a nativity set to place outside your home during Advent and Christmas? Well, thanks to a generous donor, we're giving away 200 beautiful hand-painted nativity sets. They're each valued at over $500. So you can display the true, humble, and profound reason for the season for your family and neighborhood. You can sign up to win at relevantradio.com slash set. Sign up before midnight central on October 15th. That's relevantradio.com slash set. Let's go back to the phones, Father. Tim is calling in from Illinois. Tim, hello. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Great topic. Uh, And I just uh, wanted to mention that um, I had moved to a new town years ago. Didn't know anybody. Um... And, and I was okay with that. I'm okay with being alone. But after a while, it just kind of started getting to me and I started getting like depressed and was having some thoughts of harming myself. I mean, it just, it wasn't a good place. And um, somebody suggested that I volunteer for an uh, 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 outfit in town. And uh, I did that. And it helped me with the loneliness part. Uh, it also helped me led led my life in a different direction uh just by being exposed to different things and different people and uh, it ended up really being a great blessing in my life uh so i just wanted to mention that that if people are in that kind of hole and uh 
um, you know, to volunteer. I, I mentioned to people, hey, volunteer for some, volunteer for anything. Uh, but, you know, volunteer for something. It takes your mind off of you, and it gives you uh, different perspectives. So that's all I wanted to say. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And, and I always share with individuals that I meet when they're asking, you know, I want to I want to get back, I want to help. I said, you know, there's something, especially, you know, it was highlighted during the pandemic, but far before that, there's so many of our parishioners who might be homebound, right, mm-hmm. that would just love a phone call or a visitor. And if you call your parish and say, you know what, not for a communion visit, not for anything, just say, you know, is there anyone in the parish that just needs somebody to visit them from time to time? I would love to do that. That that would be so well received, both for your heart and for theirs. And so I would just sort of echo uh, echo that same that same sentiment. Like the more that we give, it just sort of builds up something beautiful in us. Mm, yeah, very good, Tim. And uh, actually, Tim, your phone call coincides with an anonymous email that we got. It said, several years ago, I moved to a new city not knowing anyone. Initially, I felt quite lonely. I decided to volunteer. There you go, at a nursing mm. home. Met several elderly and handicapped individuals who were enjoying my visits. It's helped me find a way to feel less lonely while making a difference. And eventually, she says she made friends outside of her volunteer activity and also a couple other volunteer opportunities. So, Again, yes, Father and Tim, thank you so much for the suggestion of uh, volunteering being a good way to move out into making those connections, to making that communion with others that we need. Let's go to Martha calling in from California. Martha, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I just wanted to share in case it helps others. Um, when I was, uh, I had to leave home. Well, most my parents decided to go back to their country in country of origin. So I found myself lonely. Um, I have a sister, but she um, ended up um, having her own situation. And um, I was dating at the time. And so I decided to get married. And I think that was the main reason because I felt lonely. And um, I realized seven years into the marriage, one day I was Um, exercising and then all of a sudden I realized how lonely I felt and I remembered a prayer from my teens that said Lord may I discover my loneliness so that I may then collaborate with you in the salvation of the world Mm -hmm. and um, and that's when I I just started to find the Lord look for him more look for him in adoration and um, serving in the church and I feel more like I'm complete now. Like I know that I need the Lord in times when I feel lonely. It's just that he's calling or um, I need to acknowledge his presence. And that's, thank you for listening. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And sometimes just like that can be such a turning point when we begin to realize, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a part of my, my heart that's not been satisfied yet. And that's St. Augustine offers us famously, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, Lord. And nothing yeah. can satisfy that. And so to see that, that loneliness might be a real invitation to just grow in our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Great testimony, Martha. Thank you so much for calling in to share that with all of us as we're talking about loneliness and being alone here on The Inner Life today. Let's go now to Cheryl calling in from Mundelein, Illinois. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask if anybody had any suggestions. And I am uh, 65 years old, and I was married for 37 years. And my husband passed away last uh, March 1st. And 
I'm not used to being alone. This is the first time I've been alone in my whole life. And I talk to people on the phone and I've gone to social events, but, and I go to church and I've been going to adoration, but, um, it's really difficult and I get a lot of anxiety being at home alone. Mm -hmm. Um, is there any suggestions you could offer? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And just share my prayers, uh, for the loss you've experienced, certainly. I, I think it is one of those things, especially in a time of transition like this, to just pray for just an increase in, in patience. Like the Lord is sort of, sounds like in your particular condition, he's, he's smoothing things out because this is a new reality after decades and decades of marriage. And so my prayer for you just to be sort of continue to stay faithful as you have been. But I remember I had a formation director who was giving us a talk about celibacy and loneliness, and he shared... You know, we, we need to adopt little habits that can be helpful for us. And he said for him, he's from a diocese that's very rural. He said it was sort of it was depressing for him to come home and all the lights were off and there was not a person that he lived with. And he'd just come into like a dark, cold, empty house. And so he said what he began to do is he'd, he'd like leave a radio on and he'd leave some lights on in the house. And those sorts of things, just like small acts like that, made returning home a little bit more inviting. And I think there are things like that that each one of us sort of needs to navigate according to our own condition, whether it's within our marriages or alone as celibate vocation in my case, to sort of find those avenues that are going to give us just a little bit more, um, yeah, maybe inspiration and joy. And so, you know, you're, you're going to church and you're talking to friends. It might be, be helpful, like our, our previous caller said, to find some place where you could just volunteer for a couple hours. Maybe your job prohibits that and Maybe there's something that you can do to sort of increase some of that social interaction. And I just encourage you to sort of like call on some of your closest friends to sort of like hold you accountable um, to some of those opportunities because very quickly those social gatherings, they can fade away and we can find ourselves even more isolated. But some of those practices I'd recommend. Thank you, Father. And Cheryl, our prayers are with you as we, uh, as yeah, certainly for the loss of your husband. May he rest in peace. And then also just for dealing with this. So know that knowing that our prayers are with you, hopefully that helps some. And of course, you can always call into the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day at 3 p.m. Central with Drew, which is now live stream video as well. Just go to relevantradio.com or the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central um, and uh, join with your family there and uh, share with your share your prayer requests with them as well. Thanks for calling in, Cheryl. God bless you. Uh, what, let's take one more phone call. Marianne calling in from San Antonio, Texas. Marianne, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. Thanks, thanks for having me. Hi, this um, I just wanted to say that uh, I've been alone, uh, unmarried, um, divorced, for, and alone for thirty five, thirty five or thirty six years. And I used to get lonely, but what helped me was that one verse in the Bible that says, "Be still and know that I am God." And, you know, at first, it, you know, it was just a sentence. But I, as, I, as I meditated upon it, it, it became this Christ alive in my home. He was, he was with me always, everywhere. So I just don't get lonely at all anymore. Yeah. And that's maybe you know, I remember there's a priest. Human, but it's true. There's a priest who sort of shared with me once. He's like, he was talking about this reality. And he said, you know, when I leave and I return, he says, it's not my house. He said. For him, he had a statue of our Blessed Mother right at the front door. He's like, it's our lady's house. I'm returning to her home and just sort of reminding himself like, of her presence and her care and maternal love for us, of his of his awareness of God and his life. I think sometimes it, it, it is loneliness in some sense, right? 
something that we can control, like our disposition, our awareness and our perspective on it. Sometimes it's as simple as just sitting with a verse like that and saying, Lord, I know you're here. Yeah, speak to me. Yeah, that's very good. Marianne, thanks for the call. Thanks for the encouragement. And yeah, Scripture has so many different ways, especially the Psalms in, in linking up um, with where we are, where we find ourselves in life. And the Psalms are just a, a boundless resource of uh, finding those expressions as well. Father, just a couple minutes before we ask for your blessing, but um, I wanted to turn back to the whole idea of friendship specifically. And uh, yeah, I mean, going about making friends, but what should we be seeking in friendships when we're looking at building friendships or making friendships? Yeah, certainly. You know, it is one of those things that's so important because there'll be people who have, they say, oh, I have a lot of friends. I'm part of the softball league. I go to the bar. I do trivia. I'm dating. I've got all these things in my life, but there's a superficiality that can so easily take over. So Aristotle speaks about this in his ethics where he talks about these kind of three types of friendship that we can have. We can have a friendship of utility, right? We can have a friendship of pleasure. And I think that's really where a lot of relationships stay. And then what he speaks to is this sort of like, third type of friendship that can only be sort of borne out by two people who are seeking good, who are seeking virtue, right? That the the good that they seek in the other is like the highest good that they want. And so mm -hmm. they're friends that will challenge one another. They'll call them to greatness and like the real act of love to, to sort of will the good of the other as they are due. Um, it's great to play bar trivia. It's great to like have a softball <laughs> league. This is not sort of a screed against that, but it is to say like, are our friendships intentional? Will this person hold me accountable? Will they challenge me for my inaction or for something I choose to do and how I live my life? And so if not, do I need new friends or do I need to encourage my friends to a higher state of being? Those things are important because then, like our previous scholar will have his mother, they, they will call you out of a place of loneliness and isolation. They will desire your good. And what's good for you is communion with other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just building those friendships. I mean, can we say things that will move our friendships in that direction? I mean, I don't know if we start needing to call our friends out on, on things that we <laughs> see in their lives. I mean, that seems a little risky, but, uh, or maybe we just give them the permission to do that with us. Yeah. I think that, that that's important. You know, I'm mean, not, it, it might be strange to sit down and, and say, you know, let's talk about serious things from now on. Mm -hmm. um, but in some ways, I mean, if you evaluate your relationships and you're like, you know, all we do is we hang out, we might play video games, we go for a run, we just talk about what movies we like or whatever. Come in with something substantive. Suggest you two read a book together. You know, it could come in small ways. Talk about an article you read you found interesting. If you're listening to this, maybe just talk about what you heard today. Sure. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Father, for your time being our spiritual director today. Would you give us a blessing, please? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to come upon the hearts of your faithful, those here who have spent this time in prayer and contemplation of your goodness and their role as social beings. We pray that you increase in them a love for one another and draw all things according to your will. May God bless and keep you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On Monday at 11 Central, don't forget about the inaugural Solemnity Mass of Our Lady of Champions, celebrated by Bishop Ricken, broadcast live right here on Relevant Radio. Tuesday on the program, we're going to be talking about the Rosary in this month of the Rosary with our spiritual director, Father Peter Arminio. Coming up next is Mass... And then the faith explained. Stay tuned. Until next time, have a great weekend and grace and peace.